Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Do all unborn children go to heaven? I believe this question does have a simple yes or no response, but as opposed to answering it right off the bat and having a one-word podcast, I will work through the scriptures in order to demonstrate one way of developing an answer by critical biblical analysis. That being said, I do not think the value of this podcast comes from you passively receiving an answer. Rather, I believe you will obtain the greatest benefit by observing one method of searching the scriptures so that you can then actively search for yourself. Now, to the best of my knowledge, I do not believe the Bible has an explicit answer to the question at hand. So, being fully persuaded of the sufficiency of God's word, we must then look for principles that will help us to generate a biblical response. So, do all unborn children go to heaven? Let's start with a simpler question. Who goes to heaven? The Bible does answer that question explicitly. Only the elect go to heaven. And who are the elect? All those people who were elected or chosen by God before the foundation of the world. This means that before the Lord said, let there be light, he had already chosen all the people who would be saved, have faith in Christ, and end up in paradise. It is also evident that because God chose the elect before the world was made, his election of us was unconditional, meaning our election had nothing to do with us and everything to do with God's sovereign choice. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. In John 15.16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Finally, we will look at Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Notice here that God is the only one who does anything. We merely receive what God has done for us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Other Bible verses I would encourage you to read on your own are 2 Timothy 1.9 and John 6.37. Now we'll take a brief detour. The question we are answering is, do all unborn children go to heaven? However, the scriptures are explicit that, at least in one instance in the Old Testament, an already born child did go on to be with the Lord. We know this based upon what happens in 2 Samuel 12 verses 16-23. to 
The context of that story is that after David commits adultery with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah dies, David takes her as his wife. Bathsheba then bears David a son. God is displeased and so he afflicts the child so that he became sick. The child consequently dies, but after a period of fasting and prayer, David says, But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. 2 Samuel 12.23 Here, King David has a sense of eternity in his heart, and he gains a sense of peace that one day he will go to be with his child. Truly, the Lord would not bring the child back, but David's hope was that there would be a time in his future when he would see his son more alive than he ever was on earth. Hence, it is certainly the case that all elect children go to heaven, whether out of the womb or unborn. So back to the question at hand. We previously read verses that established that all the elect end up in paradise. So how do we know if an unborn child is elect or not? Well, we can never know the answer to that question because the answer resides in the mind of God. But what we can glean from Scripture is if there is evidence of children in the womb being saved. That is, of course, because only the elect end up being saved. Consequently, there is clear evidence that an unborn child can be saved. For example, in Luke chapter 1, a pregnant Mary visits an even more pregnant Elizabeth. Elizabeth, of course, was pregnant with John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, verses 41 to 45, the text says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Clearly, the unborn John exhibited joy, a fruit of the Spirit in the womb, because he was already born again. Only those who are regenerated can respond positively to the Lord. Those who are not regenerated are spiritually dead, and dead people can't do anything. As another example of the unborn being saved, consider what David says of himself in Psalm 22.10. I was cast upon you from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. As a final example, consider what God says of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to a prophet of the nations. Of course, the Hebrew word that is translated consecrated means to set something apart for holy use. As alluded to previously, the ultimate explanation for why anyone is saved is God himself. Specifically, the ultimate reason why anyone is saved is because of God's grace through the instrument of faith. And where does faith come from? Through the proclamation of the word. That is, the normal means by which people are saved is through hearing the gospel. As it says in Romans 10.17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Naturally speaking, an unborn child is not in a normal situation. Their proper life hasn't started yet. This then begs the question, do unborn children hear and then respond to the word in the womb? Can an unborn child sincerely understand the gospel? 
What about the just-conceived child who doesn't have ears yet? These are questions about which the Bible is silent, and so I will not speculate. All I do know is that the ultimate explanation of why anyone is saved is God Himself. Yes, the means are ours, but success is in God's hands. Accordingly, Jesus speaks of the new birth in John 3. In verses 7 to 8, He emphasizes that God is sovereign, and thus He operatively causes the new birth. The text says, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Hence, after synthesizing all these biblical truths, the scriptures give ample proof that some can be born again in the womb. So do unborn children go to heaven? We now have a partial answer to this question. Yes, the unborn can go to heaven, but the question we are asking is if all the unborn go to heaven. Now, before I unpack the response further, I must establish two biblical doctrines. One is that of total depravity, and the other is God's justice. I would never assert that babies in the womb are sinless and innocent because the Bible makes clear that all human beings are totally depraved. Meaning, as a function of the fall of Adam, every person is morally corrupt, enslaved to sin, and without the grace of God, no one is able to trust Christ. This means we sin because we are sinners. This is relevant to the current discussion because our nature is totally depraved in the womb. David says in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and in sin my mother conceived me. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David makes it clear to us that the human sin problem begins when a human being is a fertilized egg. From conception, the human heart is not inclined toward God, but rather deceitful above all things. Jeremiah 179. Consider also Psalm 58.3 where the text says, The wicked have turned away from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. The other issue we have to consider is that of divine justice. In the New Covenant, God's justice is meted out to individuals based on their deeds. God is just, and by His standard, the punishment must fit the crime by the person who committed the crime. Accordingly, in Jeremiah 31.30, God says, Everyone will die for his own wrongdoing. In Romans 2.1-2, the text says, Therefore you have no excuse, you foolish person, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that matter in which you judge someone else, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. Then in Romans 2.6, Paul quotes Psalm 62.12, where it says that God will render to each person according to his deeds. Notice first that an unborn child is not punished for what adults do to them. Notice as well, in all these verses, the text talks about doing the wrong thing with a focus on the liability or guilt for the wrong incurred. The issue we must now wrestle with is this. Even though an unborn child is a sinner by nature, what sins are they actually committing? What evil deeds are they doing? Do they understand what right and wrong are? How can someone do something wrong if they cannot distinguish between good and evil? 
Certainly, a child in the womb, less the grace of God, has the moral inability to serve the Lord. But, in contrast to all of us who have been born, the unborn also have a natural inability. If the unborn are to be judged based on their deeds, we have to consider that as a function of their predicament, they can't do any deeds. To highlight the distinction between moral and natural inability, allow me to provide an analogy first described by Jonathan Edwards. Let's suppose there is a man locked up in a cell. The king comes to the door of the cell and tells the man, All you have to do is bow down before me, and I will set you free. The man is not restrained, so he can get up, walk to the door, and bow before the king. But this man isn't going to do that because he has hatred for the king in his heart. And so, although he can physically bend the knee, his hardened heart won't allow that. This man has a moral inability to obey. Let's suppose there is a different man locked up in a cell. The king comes to the door of this cell and tells the man, All you have to do is bow down before me, and I will set you free. This man is tied down with iron chains. He can't move. The man then tells the king, My lord, there is nothing else I'd rather do than bow before you because I yearn for freedom, but I am unable to do anything because of these chains. This man has the moral ability to obey, but he has a natural inability. There is something outside of him that physically prevents him from obedience. As the scriptures we previously looked at illustrate, divine justice is based on works. Yet, because of the unborn's natural inability to commit wrongdoing, I would go as far to say that the unborn have a valid excuse in God's courtroom. I use the word excuse because that is language the Apostle Paul uses in Romans 1.20. You see, starting in Romans 1.18, the Apostle makes the case that the Gentiles are guilty before God. He will then go on to say that the Jew is also also guilty before God, even though they have the Mosaic law. In fact, knowledge of the law makes them more responsible, not less. Because everyone is guilty, everyone needs a redeemer, so Christ is the only solution. But if the Gentiles don't have God's law, then how can they be held guilty? The answer is by creation. Romans 1, 18-20 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse." What the Apostle says here is that even if you are a pagan living in the middle of nowhere, even if you never hear the gospel, and even if you have no clue who Jesus is or what the Bible says, you still do not have an excuse. Why? Because creation testifies the reality of God. What God has made without stirs up the sense of the Lord within as a real-life sensory experience begets divine perception. The problem is therefore not lack of truth, but rather truth suppression. But here's the important point. The Gentiles are without excuse because they can perceive creation. It will logically follow then that the unborn are with excuse because they cannot perceive creation. They cannot 
clearly perceive and thus understand by what has been made. Now, before I tie everything together, there may be some who make a distinction between how mature an unborn baby is as it relates to if they can be saved or if they have an excuse. That is, for example, they may make a distinction between a two-week-old child and an eight-month-old child. My response would be, the Bible never makes such a distinction, evidenced by the fact that the New Testament uses the same word for a very small infant and a child that is yet unborn, Luke 1.41. And in the Mosaic Law, without qualification, a pregnant woman is considered to be carrying a full-fledged person in her womb, Exodus 21.22-23. This argues against the pagan idea that a very young child in the womb is just a mere soulless clump of cells that fades away into nothingness if they are not carried to term. Cognizant of the unique predicament of the unborn, the question then becomes as to what standard they will be held to. From my reading of the scriptures, although God's standard never changes, the unborn appear to be in a category that have a valid excuse. On the one hand, God's wrath is based on works, but the unborn don't have any deeds as such. On the other hand, divine grace is not based on works, and God is free to demonstrate grace on whomever he chooses. In my mind, the unborn would be particular objects of God's mercy in light of their meek and lowly state. That, and throughout the Bible, God demonstrates a special love for little ones. See Psalm 127, 3-5, Matthew 18, 10, 19, 14, and Mark 10, 13-16. The Lord is also a kind and tender loving Father who delights in steadfast love, not wrath. Micah 7, 18. It certainly is possible that before the foundation of the world, God had in mind every child who would not make it out of the womb. It is also certainly possible that when Jesus went to the cross, by divine design, he was dying for all the unborn. So, do all unborn children go to heaven? I believe the answer is yes. I must also say that while this answer is certainly possible based upon what the Bible says, it is not necessary. Truly, there will be others that search the scriptures and come to a different conclusion. For many, that all unborn children go to heaven provides great hope and that their souls leave this broken world and go straight to paradise. There are many children who, because of natural reasons, pass away before they ever have a chance at life. They pass from the womb to heaven. There are also many children who, because of the sins of others, are electively aborted. They too pass from the womb to heaven. And while the despicable schemes of the devil have persuaded countless people to engage in infanticide, what in essence this is doing is swelling the ranks of heaven with precious souls who will spend eternity glorifying the Lord and being treasured by God himself. Only God can take such horrendous evil and ultimately turn it around for good. My wife and I lost our first daughter when she was in the womb over 10 years ago. Like David, our great hope is that we shall go to her, but she will not return to us. My great hope is that one day I will see Charlie for the first time in paradise. I look forward to the day when in the divine kingdom, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Revelation 21.4. Amen and praise God. 
Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.